Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Max Out Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Cody Reinhardt, and my co-host here is Mr. Brad Peel. So um, this has been a long time coming, and I'm really glad we've been able to put this together and uh, actually make the podcast happen. I love talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it works is, out well. So it works out very well. This is a great platform for me to uh, be able to to really do that. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, the whole purpose of really the podcast overall is just for us to be able to get more information out there about health and fitness. I mean, that's something I've seen a lot of is it you know, a, lot of, a lot of people overcomplicate it. And we're here to give you tools and actionable things to get up and, and make it happen. That's that's really what we're about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to go over a lot of topics uh, in the weeks to come with just all our episodes from lifestyle, fitness, mental. Um, so it Year, should be a lot of years fun. Years to come. Years to come. Uh-huh. You said weeks. <laughs> well, in the weeks that we'll release What is the, the podcast episodes? that has the most episodes? Do you know? Ever? Yeah, I feel like I've seen like a thousand plus podcasts. I just don't remember the name. Who, whoever you are, we're coming for you. <laughs> the throne. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, a quick little shout out to Nicole Peel, your mm. your wife. She did a really good job in helping us set up the lights. So we thank you very much. Yep. Looks a lot better than if I would have done it myself. So yeah, professional help. Yeah, professional help make a big difference, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're going to talk about the origin story of kind of the gym and how we got to where we are now, um, but also just kind of bringing things back further into your life and some of the things that you had to overcome and get through that brought you to this point, Yeah. Um, which kind of leads into all of the episodes down the road on how you have the experience to help people and um, the knowledge that you got from that, as well as just uh, what people can expect when they come into the gym and absolutely so uh it's very interesting story that's for sure there's a lot of twists and turns in it um you know and it's like you just said it was going through that process that helped me be able to help people more i think because i was always into fitness as a younger kid but i didn't uh um around high school is when things kind of started falling apart for me so after that time and going through what i went through i was able to come out of the other end and not only make me a better person, but make me a better coach and mm-hmm. be able to help people. Cause that's really what coaching is about for me. It's about really like giving my all to someone to help them better their lives through health and fitness. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you've been fairly public about it, but as far as, uh, your past history and having to go through, uh, addiction and certain things like that. So I just kind of wanted to kind of go back to that point on, you know, when did this really start for you? Kind of when did the addiction begin and um, kind of go from there? Yeah. Um, So I actually didn't start using until my senior year of high school. So like I said before, I was was active. I played sports, soccer was probably the biggest one, uh, soccer and and swimming. Uh, I started wrestling in in seventh grade because I was just a super, super tiny kid. Uh, starting my freshman year of high school, I was 5'5", and I weighed 95 pounds. And now here I am, 6'1", at 235, so a little, little bit different. It's a little different. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and yeah, so really I just, 
I, ne- I always got picked on a lot. I never really had a, a good group of friends until I met some friends, uh, Chris and, and Brantley, and um, going into, I think I met them in my junior year, and uh, they didn't care what I was or if I drank or if I didn't, just a good group of people to hang out with. and. Um, yeah, then a little while after that is when the drinking started. I'd say mm-hmm. like a year or so after that. And I'm a very all or nothing kind of individual. Like addiction runs in my family. Uh, I know my granddad was an alcoholic and I believe several generations down were also alcoholics as well. And so as soon as I started, it just kind of one thing led to another. And before you know it, like I'm doing really hard drugs and it just controlled my life. Yeah. So what was life like for you during that time? Um... Well, um, it was it was a lot of chaos for sure. A lot, lot, a lot of chaos. Um, during one one of my times during then, I actually uh, overdosed, and um, I was dead for five minutes. And um, everyone always asked me, like, you know, did you see a light on the other side? And I, I don't remember. Like, I like to think that maybe I did, but uh, overdosed. I got arrested a whole bunch of times. Um, lost my career, lost my house, was homeless, two separate occasions. And so my life was basically just nonstop chaos from one thing to the next. And it's hard, quote unquote, as I tried to get clean, there was never, I was really never able to. It was so old. what was the time period, senior year to? Um, that's a great question, because it's 2012, so I'm 11 years clean now. So 2002, yeah, 2002 to about 2011. So it was like 10, nine, 10 years yeah, of- somewhere in that ballpark. And being in the process of being yeah. addicted and all this stuff going on? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was a while. And it's just like anything, like you have the highs and lows. So it was really interesting. I saw this meme actually last week and it was talking about, it was this picture that says, this is what people think addiction is. And it's like this person, this, you know, homeless person on the street and is like begging for money. But in reality, what it really was, is just like nonstop partying all the time. Like even when I was homeless and I was living in my car, like there were still partying. And yeah, there were a couple times in my life in my absolute lows that was, like I said, living in the car and I had $5 to my name and I had to decide on whether or not I was gonna eat that day or whether or not I was gonna go buy, you know, some liquor. Obviously I went and bought the liquor and um, it, yeah, that's life. Hmm. So you said you died. Did you? Did, is that when the addiction ended for you, or did you? Um, no, no, no. <laughs> I know most people listening are like, "Holy crap, are you serious?" Um, to get a little bit of context to addiction, and in the the major parts of addiction, you lose your self worth, and you get to a point where you're like, "I don't matter anymore," and that's basically where it was for me. You know. If I died, oh well, hmm. I'm not worth saving, you know? And so for me, it wasn't until years later where um, the woman I was with at the time, we were actually uh, engaged and we had a kid and both our relationship was pretty explosive. We were using before she got pregnant and um, the relationship just wasn't gonna last is pretty much what it boiled down to. And so we did an adoption to give her a mom and a dad that we wanted to be, but we were, we just knew we weren't going to be. And that was actually what did it. 
um, that was that was like the final straw of like, look, man, you you died already. You you lost all these things. You've been in jail. Nothing fixed. You just keep doing the same stuff. And then I lost her, and I was like, okay, that like that broke me to my core. And I was like, okay, I've got to change something. And I was living in Oregon at the time, and driving down the street, and these moments of sobriety, like I'm obviously still using at this point, and. Um, these moments of sobriety, I would just pray and I would say, Lord, I, I, I really need help. I don't know why I can't overcome this addiction. Um, I actually remember at certain points I was like, man, may, I, I hope there's like something medically wrong with me. Like I have some cancer or some sickness or some ailment or something that it's like the only way that pain is soothed is from drugs and alcohol. And that would, that would explain why I can't quit. And anyways, I'm driving down the road and I'm saying this quick little prayer. And the moment I stop saying it, this radio advertisement comes on saying, hey, today's the last day to sign up for a local MMA fight. And I was like, that's amazing. That's what I need to do. You know, I, like I said, I wrestled from seventh grade all the way through uh, high school. I was in I did Taekwondo. Uh, I think I started that like my freshman or sophomore year. When I was in the army, I was an infantry and a paratrooper, so I thought of myself as a badass kind of individual. And so I went and signed up for the fight, and I didn't train before I went, and I got destroyed, hmm. actually by a dude named Brad. Nice. Bradley Salkenberger. What's up, buddy? And um, he taught me a major lesson of don't walk into a fight unprepared, and so that's kind of where the shift from, well, not kind of, that's where the shift from fit, uh, from addiction to fitness really started was in that moment um but because i didn't know how to prepare it was like a lot of learning and youtube wasn't really a thing back then so i just started experimenting on myself and threw myself into to mma and that's that's really where it really started to take off so were you using up to the point of the fight or did you when the ad came on like did you just kind of go cold turkey there no like the reason i didn't train before the fight because I was still using okay after the fight I was still using but it was significantly less because now if I have to wake up the next day and go to sparring practice like I can't do that if I'm hungover or if I hadn't slept for you know 72 hours which was pretty common for me back then just staying uh, staying awake doing various drugs and um so it wasn't actually until later so I got I was I was relatively clean when I moved to Kansas um, then when I got here, I only knew one person and I used with him and then, um, and I was able to get clean for about, was that three or four months? And then I relapsed again. And this is around the time that I met my now wife and, um, you know, we were dating. Well, I guess I should back up a little bit. So when we were first, when we first met, she lived in, um, Virginia and was moving to Idaho to live with her boyfriend. And when I came out here to Kansas, I came here just to visit and my car broke down mm -hmm. and I didn't have enough money to get back to Oregon. So here I am. And then I met Hannah through a mutual friend at a church activity. And I guess you could say the rest is history, but, um, it was, it was really, it was Hannah was like the final, final straw because in that moment when I had, got to Kansas here, I was relatively clean, and then I relapsed. I relapsed while her and I were dating. And she was living in Kansas City, and I lived here in Topeka. You know, we weren't living together. 
and so we didn't get to see each other very much. So I'd get super hammered during the week, sometimes on the weekend, and I like wasn't showing up and all this kind of stuff. And I always had this weird feeling. It was, you know, it was the spirit telling me that like, this is the woman that is made for you. You know, like y'all are supposed to be together. And so I knew I wanted to propose, but I had now been lying to her about drinking and smoking again. So I finally, when I came clean, I knew that she was just gonna, I knew she was just gonna yell at me because I'd been lying to her at that point because that was Christmas. And so we started dating in July of that year. So five or six months or so, somewhere in that ballpark. And uh, when I told her, she, she didn't get upset at all. She didn't yell at me. She just said, all right, well, what can I do to help? And that just floored me because like I said before, when you're an addiction and that deep into it, you don't care about yourself. Hmm. You don't feel like you're worth saving. And she showed me like what real true love meant. And so I was like, okay, I know you probably shouldn't set a date for when you're getting clean. This was December 23rd that we had this conversation. I was like, but I already kind of bought a bunch of stuff for my birthday, which is on December 30th. So come January 1st, I won't touch it again. And then I hadn't, that was finally when I stopped using. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it's super crazy, man. So since that date? Never touched it. I can't say that I've never been tempted. Yeah. Because it never, it never goes away. Like once an addict, you're always an addict. I mean, you have addictive behaviors as a whole, but it's, it's figuring out like what your triggers are and the type of things that set you off and as long as you know those and you just take it one day at a time, then that's all, I mean, that's all anyone can do. Mm-hmm. So you were now dating Hannah, you get clean and then you're still fighting or what's taking place now? Yeah. So actually I was fighting at that time. Um, my plan was to be a professional fighter. That was, that was really my ambition to do it. If I'm going to do it, I want to make money off doing it and kind of do this for, for a living. Um, and I had won this really big fight against a guy that I really wasn't supposed to win against because he was much more experienced than I was. Uh, and then I beat him. And then, so I went to go have a title fight and the plan was to do the title fight win, obviously, and then, uh, defend it. And then I, w- I was going to go pro. So, you know, I was basically two fights away from going pro and then I, uh, broke my arm and ended up breaking it completely in half, actually the on and the radial bone. And so... I uh, ended up having three surgeries over the next three years to get it all, get it all fixed. And so when I broke the arm, um, I think it was after the second surgery, I was like, yeah, I don't know if this fighting thing is going to happen, but I saw what fitness was able to do for me. Cause at this point when I was clean, like all this going on, like it's eight, it's been 18 months since I've been clean. And that's the longest I've been clean since, you know, 10 years prior to that. So I was like, oh my gosh, I. I think I found the secret sauce of how to be clean and I want to help other people do it. So I just started my basement with just a single client, uh, Mr. Rob Lane, shout out to Rob. And, uh, I just asked Hannah, I was like, Hey, give me six months to try to make something of this personal training thing. And if it does it in six months, I'll go get a job. And then it just kind of just took off from there. So one client in your basement and then did you keep training people out of your basement? Like did that grow or did you, where'd you go from there? Uh, so I, I don't remember the exact number in the basement, but it was at least five or six clients, primarily of friends of like mine and Rob's that we all knew from church kind of deal. And then around that time is when I started working at uh, Title Boxing Club, um, and the owner had a little strength conditioning area, so I started renting space from him at that uh, at the Title Building, 
and uh, then it outgrew that, and I met my uh, business partner at the time, and uh, we came to the building that we're in right now. Um, and uh, then about a year later, our partnership uh, went opposite directions, and I stayed here, and he went off somewhere else. And uh, then it just we just continued to grow from from this building. I mean, in the beginning, we have a well, the bigger side is 4,000 square feet, and we couldn't even afford the whole rent. We had to rent the back half of the building out to another trainer. And uh, at the end of the year, you know, we needed the space, and we took the whole 4,000. And then, uh, like two years later, we took over the space next door, and we have 6,000 now. So it's just kind of been this constant evolution of growing and expanding. And I think the main reason for that is because I've always put the client first. You know, like I never wanted to be one of those coaches who like held back the good stuff. Like when I have a client that can beat me, they're stronger than me, they're faster than me, they're more fit than me, you know, they have a better physique than me and I help them coach them to that, that gets me excited. I feel like that's what coaching is supposed to be like, like you're supposed to be better than me because I now can give you the shortcut that I didn't have. I had to learn this through years and years of coaching and certifications and classes and you know in your case a, a degree and now be, to be able to give someone that shortcut quote unquote right like this you still got to put in the hard work but you can learn the stuff mm -hmm. that I spent a lot of time to learn and you can learn in a fraction of the time and that to me is like the whole point of coaching yeah so how did the gym kind of evolve from doing uh, personal training to then the space like what was how did what did it look like starting it up and getting that going? It was actually uh, boot camp style is what we did. Oh, so okay. because I my background was just personal training, um, I did a lot of kettlebells. I don't know if you know that or not, but I like kettlebells. He does like kettlebells. <laughs> I love kettlebells. And uh, so that was a big thing for me and my business partner at the time. He had a ton of experience with TRX and doing group training. and I had never done that. And so that's why the partnership made a lot of sense at the time. Um, and so we kind of, you know, I taught him what I knew about the kettlebells and I, it's like your basic barbell stuff, like nothing crazy, just like, you know, squat bench dead kind of stuff. And, um, but we only ran like TRX boot camps is what it was. A little bit of kettlebells here and there, but it was primarily like TRX and your classic boot camp style of things. And then the only CrossFit gym in town closed. And, um, I was like, wait a second, there's no CrossFit here. I was like, man, I'm. That kind of stuff really actually intrigues me. So then we became an affiliate and we were the only one in town. And then over time, um, it just, we kind of fell away from the CrossFit methodology, I guess you could say. Like at its core, I agree with CrossFit of, you know, constantly varied functional movements at high intensity, but I disagree with the fact that it's always gotta be at high intensity. And I felt like that the brand of CrossFit as a whole was being known for more of the sport aspect. And then you had your general population people who just, you know, your average moms and dads, like the clients that we have now that were automatically saying, well, no, I can't do CrossFit because that's too hard. And they weren't, we weren't even getting the chance to talk to them about how Lionheart was different and how we applied it. And so eventually we just, you know, we de-affiliated and just did our things the own way our own way does that make sense mm -hmm. yeah you're kind of fighting like an uphill battle with i felt like it yeah just what the notion of yeah crossfit was yeah. when people came in exactly 
And so now it's like the way that we do things like, yeah, we do functional movements and we do some conditioning and we do strength, but it's like the way that we do it, one, I feel like makes it a lot more welcoming to people because more people are able to do it. Um, or at least they feel like they can do it, right? Because our perception drives reality. And if I think I can't do something, then I'm not even going to try it. And that was kind of the, the boat that we were getting in. And now that we've created our own tiered system for how the workouts are put together, I mean, version one, you did pretty much all of that yourself. And now version two, we're able to kind of work on that a little bit more together. But um, I, I feel like that is a big part of what makes what we do different like one we care about the client more than we care about really anything and then two when you put together a proper training program with proper nutrition it's like it makes it you have to have the full package mm -hmm. i guess is what i'm getting at yeah and i think it's i mean it's evolved a lot oh yeah uh a lot of big changes even just since i've been here because i've only been i've been here three three oh, years three yeah. years yeah and the gym's been here for... We've been in this building for nine years. Nine years. Yeah, this, this is actually our 10th anniversary overall as a company. Uh, nine years in the building. Nice. Yeah, it's been a... And like you said, there's been a ton of evolutions, and I think that that's what's allowed us to continue to grow because as I've grown as both an owner and a coach and as a, you know, a human being, I realize that there's other things that are maybe more important than others or a different way of doing them like we always do. And then we implement those changes. And, you know, I'm always looking at it as from the perspective of what is best for the client, you know, and this carries over into when I'm like the clients that I work with online, like I work with clients that live all over the country and, and it's the exact same systems are in place of give the client what they need, support them, keep them on track because really what people need is they need they need to stay on track is what they really really need now granted I mean our training program is better than 90% of the training programs out there <clears throat> but the best training program in the world doesn't do anything if you don't do it I mean yeah that's what it really comes down to yeah that's probably one thing that I think that we do really well is try and keep people on track and consistent Yep. on a week-to-week -week basis absolutely because you're not going to see progress coming in one week and then not showing up for you know weeks on end or one day a week or whatever exactly i mean we have tons of members that you know before they started started working with us either, like i said either here or, or online they're like man I, i've never been able to stick to a program for longer than you know three months and here it is like four years later five years later and we have some members that have been here like eight years and they're still here mm -hmm. it's like i mean I think that speaks to how we do things differently. How has it been for you seeing the company evolve? Like what's that been like from your perspective? <laughs> Depends on the day that you ask me. <laughs> um, ownership is definitely, it's, it's got its highs and its lows like anything, you know, um, in the beginning of ownership, I didn't take it seriously enough as ownership. And so I let a lot of things slide that I shouldn't have. And that ended up leading to one time a whole big group of members left like literally we lost like half of our membership in a 24-hour period because i let a situation build up that i shouldn't have built that i shouldn't have let build up i should have dealt with it a lot sooner and i didn't and you know i looked at these people as my friends and i always would basically make excuses for ah you know they didn't mean it like that or this or that and i should have just cut it off um and just 
learning from my mistakes, I guess, and how to be how to be better and eating crow when I need to, you know. Um, but as a whole, like I, I'm happy where we're at now. Um, that doesn't mean we're going to stay here. I mean, just like you've been here in our recent meetings, like we're always trying, I'm always trying to improve things, like always, like how can we make this more efficient? How can we give a better experience? How can we give clients more of what they're looking for and make them happier? And that's always my frame of mind. Like how can we provide more? How can we provide more? So some of the changes that have been hard over the years, and I remember making announcements and having like knots in my stomach when I'm doing it, but I knew that it was what was in the best interest of the company and the best interest of the people that we work with. And, um, you know, sometimes it's just tough decisions you have to make. Yeah. Yeah, I could imagine. I'm glad I don't have to make all of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I do love it. It's just, like I said, it's, I think it's like any job, you know, like you have your good days and you have your bad days. Some days you come in and you're on top of the world and some days you're just like, why am I doing this? You know, I feel like we all have those and just ownership is there's just, at least from, from my experience has been just a lot of peaks and valleys with that kind of stuff. But it all kind of goes back to like, why am I here? Mm-hmm. Like, what am I doing? What's my true intent? And when I lose sight of that North star is when I get more confused. It doesn't mean that it takes away the stress of whatever's going on, but it just like, like if, if I'm, you know, an analogy outside of the gym for a second. Like if I'm keeping my life focused and in line with God, then I know that everything's going to be okay because my life is right with the Lord. Right. If I don't have that focus, then what's going to happen that I can just be pulled in any which direction. And that's a lot of what happens in ownership. When I know that, Hey, this is what's best for the clients. This is what's best for the company. And I move in that direction. It just makes things somewhat easier because you have that North star to look towards. Otherwise, I mean, you can't make everybody happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just impossible. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So if any decision I make, people are going to be upset. I might as well make the decision that needs to be made and <laughs> move the direction that needs, we need to go. So, so what about, uh, the future of Lionheart or just this podcast in general? Like, for people listening, what can they uh, look forward to? Well, I mean, DJ Khaled said it best, we've taken over. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, honestly, I think getting the message out is the overall theme of the podcast is getting the message out of like how simple like fitness can really be. You can, when you're healthy, and obviously health for everyone's gonna look a little bit different, but when your life is focused on being healthy and fit, you can get your highest potential out of life. Like life can be so much better. I'm not saying that everybody needs to go and start their own company or you know, go run an ultra marathon or anything like that, but even just being able to be a better husband or wife, to be able to be a better coworker, to be able to be a, a healthier and happier individual as a whole, that's what health can give to you. And that's what we want to try to provide to people. We want to, we want to give them actionable steps that they can take because the world is incredibly unhealthy right now. And I think especially after COVID that a lot of people realized one, how important things like their mental health was, how important things like their physical health was when they couldn't go anywhere. And the people that were more likely to 
have some serious effects from COVID were people that were already incredibly unhealthy. And mm-hmm. so I think that that's really pointed that out to a lot of people. It's like, look, this isn't like a, oh, that would be nice kind of thing. This needs, to, you know, health and fitness needs to be like a top of the priority list. And it doesn't matter if you've got zero kids or 10 kids, like you can, you can get healthier. Yeah. It doesn't look the same for everybody. You just have to do something and you have to just make a small step in the right direction every single day to make sure that that happens. That isn't, I'm not saying you got to go to the gym every single day, but you have to be making progress every day, just 1% improvement. And you'll, you'll see that. Yeah. I'm really excited uh, for all the topics that we're going to be discussing and um, getting out to you guys. Uh, When can the people expect the podcasts? So right now we're going to be releasing it on a weekly basis. So one day a week and um, Monday at 5 a.m. is when we're going to be releasing that. I don't know if we should have said the time. Maybe that'll change, but once a week we're going to keep them nice and short, about 30 minutes. Thank you, Mr. Train. The send off. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Thanks, man. That's pretty good. The origin. Episode one. Part three. Hey, really quick there before you take off today, um, all of our episodes, the way we come up with our topics is by conversations that we have. So if there's something specific that you want, uh, you want us to hear, uh, you want us to talk about and you want to hear about, then let us know. Shoot us a message on our Facebook page, um, also Instagram um, as well, and just kind of let us know. Also, if there's something that stood out to you today and you had that kind of aha moment and you're ready to move forward with whatever it is that we talked about today, leave us a review, leave us a rating, and let us know that. The more reviews that we get, not only does that allow us uh, the podcast to get out to more people, but it also lets us know that we're on the right track of talking about the things that people want to hear about. And lastly, if you want to have a little more direct contact with us, we have a free Facebook group, the Holy Grail of Fat Loss for Busy Parents. So go and check out that Facebook group. You can get the link in the show notes. And we have weekly master classes inside there where we're, I'm actually doing like a screen record and I'm showing you specifically how to do things from recipes and calculating your macros and training programs and techniques and whatever it is that you actually need to make sure that you can apply all the things we talk about on the podcast. Um, education is great, but application is more important. So that's what that Facebook group is really about. Like I said, uh, the link is in the show notes. And thank you guys so much for listening today. And we'll see you the next time.